Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Hello everyone, welcome back to Rulery's Podcast. It's your host, Jack Hussey, and I'm speaking to Jack Gallagher. How are you doing, Jack? Welcome back to the podcast. I'm good, Jack. It's nice to be back. Thanks for having me, buddy. It's, it's not bad, mate. Well, it's just, you know, I need you again. That's that's the thing. It's, a, <laughs> it's like a Juventus-related thing, and do you know what I mean? I hope, you know, I, I hope you feel all right. Being, that's right. Being no, used in that it. way. That's alright. I'm used to being used. It's fine, Jack. It's okay. I'll deal with it. How, how, how are you keeping it? How, how, how have you been? What are you up to? What's, go, what's going on in your world? I, I see you recently got a uh, a big shiny promotion as a as a oh. fo- in your fo- football writing world. Yeah, so still at um, ninety man doing bits and bobs, uh, doing like a lot of like opinion based series stuff, all that nonsense. So I kept busy. So I'm. Um, Finally back in the office this week, first time in about two years. How, how are you finding that? How have you found that? It was a bit weird. So it was because, like, you know, you're, you're kind of you're talking to people online all the time and like seeing them on Zoom and stuff, but then you talk to them in person, and it's like you don't have any of them like awkward like Zoom interactions in person, though. And it feels <laughs> a wee bit too fluid and weird. I don't know. I think like talking to people is like really changed in a really weird way. You always like are saying something, and then like have to like wait a second to say anything else to let people respond sort of thing it, and i was kind of doing that in the office and it was weird it's good that you said it because it, it is true i found that and i've, I've sort of spoken to sort of various different people um i mean like i, I saw hainsey actually i heard ironically enough not not too long ago and uh we were just sort of like you know because i think it's the first time we'd seen each other since everything had gone down and everything like that and it was just like sorry if i'm a bit no he's no sorry if i'm a you know, I'm just not really used to seeing people in person anymore at the moment. It <laughs> takes you a few minutes to like kind of get back up to speed and whatever. You know, this is this is an interesting way to start a football podcast, isn't it? Oh, that's um, what they want to hear about. That's what I, I think that's what the people want. Yeah. Oh, right, here we go. I'll, I'll I'll tap you up for some. Let's front load this. Let's give the people what they want to know. I see you've uh, you've just you've just posted a bit of tittle tattle saying that uh, Paula Dybala is being offered to Tottenham Hotspur at the moment. What's, what's all that about, mate? He has. So, basically, like, the ball was supposed to sign a new contract for Juventus before Christmas, and they'd agreed terms, and then he got injured, like a hamstring injury. He was only out for, like, three or four weeks, but he's kind of had, like, a lot of, like, really niggling injuries over the past couple of years, and it's kind of... It's kind of what why he's kind of... His stocks dropped so much around Europe. Like, people don't talk about the ball the way they did, like, three or four years ago when he scored that two goals against Barcelona and all that stuff. They are sort of talking about him as being Messi's successor in a way, weren't they? Aye, aye. Whereas now, like, he's he's 28 now, which is mad. That, I'll lock that up there, I'm a freak now. Um, that, is mad. that is mad. Isn't it? Because he just, he's so, 
he, he looks like a child as well. He looks like 21 years old. Like, he's never going to age. He needs to grow a beard or something, so I can believe he's 28. Um, but, so he was supposed to have a contract, and then they kind of, the club pulled out and wanted to change the terms of the deal, and then it obviously annoyed Dybala and his agents. And they haven't really got any talks again since they haven't. So, it's kind of got to the point, like, he has, what, five months left in his contract at this point. His contract's up in, like, June. And his representatives are kind of starting to put feeders out the clubs around Europe. And one of the clubs is Tottenham that have kind of been told, look, if you want to negotiate with Dybala, he's here to negotiate with sort of thing. But um, what I heard anyways is that the Premier League clubs don't really believe that he's going to actually leave because of the fact that like every time he plays Juventus, he's usually the captain because he's vice captain behind Keane. But Keane's just like thirty-eight years old and crocked at this point, so yeah, so he just doesn't play enough. So Dybala has been captain and he's been the number ten for a good few years, which means a lot of Italian clubs and things. So there is a perception that he will probably stay um, from the Premier League club's perspective, but. We'll see anyway, so apparently the representatives are going to be going around Europe over the next couple of weeks and talking to clubs to try to convince them that he's actually probably going to leave. I still, the funny thing is as well, though, I still get the feeling that you know he might be kind of linked with whatever your Spurs is, your Arsenal's, probably even Newcastle, let's be honest. Like, you know, you can imagine they'd sort of have a go nowadays, but... I just sort of imagine, even if there is a sort of scepticism about his injury record and stuff, I can just imagine when it comes down to it, he is still in that bracket of players that uh, Chelsea, Madrid, or, you know, PSG are just like, yeah, go on, we'll have him. Do you know what I mean? And just kind of yeah, get it yeah. done at the end of the day because he is, I could, I could so, see, he just he just has sort of Chelsea energy about him to me that you could just see him kind of. <laughs> That's an insult. Be, yeah, yeah, he's not that racist, but um, <laughs> I know he's Argentinian, but still. Um, he, but you can, do you know what I mean? You can sort of see him sort of floating on their bench coming on, sort of like, kind of like, you know, sort of like how Eden Hazard was when he was kind of injured in the tail end of his Chelsea career, how he'd just sort of sit on the bench and they'd bring him on to basically win games for him. I mean, we remember that in the in the Leicester season, for example, you know, when Hazard oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. came it off a Terrible that season and then battered use. No, it's, it's, just, yeah. it's just Chelsea, mate. They love turning up against us. I know. But no, I do, I do agree with the ball. Like, he's still got... The main thing he's going for him is he still has, like, a lot of name value in, in football. Like, and I said, like his stock's not the same as it was a couple of years ago, but because of who he is and because of the way he's been advertised and marketed by like Juventus and Adidas, if your club signed him, no matter how bad a season he's had last year or whatever, if like Spurs or whatever went and signed him this summer, he'd be like, "Shit, like we're going back time here." I mean, you just have that kind it, of. It would be a statement. It, it 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 would feel reminiscent of when we got Van der Vaart done that time mm-hmm. you know and ironically a not too dissimilar player in in some respects as well so it's yeah match winner not going to play every game yeah and we we kind of do need that i mean i know we got son we got kane but people are people are almost like used to them at tottenham you know i think it, it the optics around bringing a player like debala is it's it's massive really i think for yeah. spurs and it, it is good kind of uh, uh, you know we'll, we'll get onto this but it obviously divided opinion, you know, funny that, isn't it, on Twitter, but 
Tottenham's transfer window, but in many ways, I thought it was quite good for us to shift some of the big earners who also carried a lot of baggage, you know, in particular, well, actually in all three of them, in all three of those, um, there was that constant kind of will they, won't they narrative around all of them. And I just think Conte is, he's that kind of, he's that <laughs> laser guided kind of no chill manager, isn't he? That's just like, I don't want them anymore. Get them, yeah. get, get rid of them. Yeah, I don't care. I don't care if, if Tottenham fans love Deli Alley. I don't care if he's been here since he was a kid. Get rid of him. I don't need him anymore, you know? Yeah. And Spurs have probably needed that. We've needed that kind of uh, authority, really, because I think somebody like Mourinho, he can't really command that anymore, you know? And he, he just he, he, he just didn't have that same kind of, that same vibe. But, you know, uh, my point was more that it's good as making sort of like doing sort of solid business but sooner or later if Tottenham want to kind of go get back up there again we're going to need to sort of have a a a move that isn't just about what they do on the pitch a move that kind of gives everything a bit of a lift as well and kind of improves the image of the club and improves the kind of the the sentiment the mood of the fan base probably of the players themselves you know to know that we've kind of attracted a a a top tier talent and yeah, like I think that matters a lot for the the Kane situation in particular. Like you've seen the way his mood has kind of changed at the club over time. Where obviously he was delighted under Pochettino, and then Poch left, and I think the Mourinho thing, although he doesn't have the same stock for like people who are kind of watching football a lot, but like for footballers who like footballers a job at the weekend while they're playing, like Brentford at home, they're not fucking watching. Roma away and stuff like that. Like they're not they're not as tuned on they like watching games as like football fans would be. So they don't really have the same perception of people like Mourinho and all. And like when he came to the club, like Kane clearly really really liked Mourinho and really loved him and knew that the team was built around him at that time. And then the whole Kane situation kind of came to a head when Mourinho was sacked and he wasn't told. And then Mason came in, and it was kind of this. It's all about showing. The, the club's trying to progress and if you have a manager like Mason and then go on the Santo you're not really showing that you're progressing <laughs> in any way to your key asset and the player that you know he is basically the whole club in a lot of ways like he's the defining figure of the past 10 years of the club and in 40-50 years time like even if he leaves like disgracefully in this summer or in two years time or whatever, you'll still always look back fondly and him and remember like him as like one of the greatest goal scorers in the club's history. And like moves like bringing in Conte and like we were talking about Dybala, like if he's really going bringing a player like the Dybala, it's not even a it's not even for the football thing. It's more of like a like a gesture to like people like Kane and the fans and all that like look we're ambitious we're trying to progress as a football club this is what we're doing we're bringing in these big name players and managers and all they do that and it keeps like the players happier and it keeps the fans happier even if the ball was to come in and play 15 games next season and score five or six goals you'll still have that buzz around actually signing them which is kind of the whole point in signing a player like the ball yeah um so if we are to move on to Tottenham's actual signings, mate. Um, I mean, well, let's let's first start because I haven't actually watched the Juventus All or Nothing, but I've seen quite a few sort of Spurs fans talk about Peretti on that, and I think 
he's sort of shown in a fairly favourable light in that. I mean, what's amongst sort of Juventus fans, what is his kind of legacy? Because I, I don't, from what I see on Twitter, I don't get the impression that he's remembered particularly fondly, really. He's really, really not, to be honest. Um, like that all in all, something's such a, it's such a PR thing for the club. Like there was an episode in it where it just got knocked out of the Champions League by Leon, and there was like they were showing like a pile of tension in the dressing room, or whatever. And then it was like a hard cut to like, oh look, Juventus have an esports team, and it was like this whole big spiel about that. It's like it is just a PR thing, and like they're trying to show everyone at the club in a favorable light in some way. No one's going to get thrown under the bus and those sort of things. Um, the thing with Party Two Juventus is it was really weird because. Before he got the main job and taken over from Beppe Morata, there was a lot of like talk in Italy and things that like Partici was like the brains behind all those great transfers, like bringing in Vidal for like 11 million euros, bringing in Pogba for like 800k, Pirlo for free, hiring Conte the first time and things. He got a lot of um, praise for things he got, and it was like kind of taking praise off Beppe Morata, who was like. CEO of sports or whatever at that time and he was like actually doing all these days but it was like a lot of like journalists now would have said look it's actually Partici that was doing everything so when Bette Imbrata left for Inter they took over um, the same job in Inter Milan everyone was quite happy with Partici getting the job it, it felt like the natural thing it felt like you know he was the guy that you know maybe was doing a lot of the work anyway so like it wasn't going to be much of a transition I think he took over in 2019, and from then, the club just kind of collapsed on a football basis. They did. They, like, he's the guy who brought in people like Ramsey on like six million a year, and Rabio on like seven million a year, like after tax. These are because, and sold Spinazzola for like half nothing to Roma, and just didn't really build the team the way that all Juventus fans thought the team should have been built. He was he would have like spent a lot of money on the defence one year and everyone was like, Well our mud feed's terrible, like this is where you need to spend money and he like try to like find quick fixes for the mud feed instead of actually addressing it. And because he was giving so much money to these like really, really useless players and Ronaldo was on stupid money in the club, they just kinda spiralled on their really difficult financial position it's funny because um, that, that feels like it kind of all went wrong right where it all went wrong the Ronaldo deal really that yeah. sort of seemed to be like the crux of it it was like a make or break thing for the club so it was in um basically they thought they were signing a player um a different player than what they got they thought they were signing like the 31 year old Ronaldo when they weren't they were signing like a 34 year old Ronaldo who clearly lost a yard and just was nowhere near the player he used to be, although he'll still tell you to this day that he feels 23 years and old and all this shit. Um, that's kind of where like things start to collapse. And I do I do see that like after that, like it was a difficult job for Partici to come in and be like, right, well, we have this player who's on 32 million a year after tax. Everyone else is on less than like five or six million. How do I like, stop other players from being like well if he's on this much why am I not on like 15 while also trying to bring in players at the same time so I do understand that that might have been a difficult job for him but you know 
people have come in and done difficult jobs before and done them well. Like he came in and did a difficult job really, really, really badly. So he did. He actually, I don't know if he could have done worse in those two years because Juventus went from one of the best teams in Europe, like uh, challenging the Champions League every single year, to being like fifth or sixth best team in Italy. And if they got out of the Champions League group stages, it's like considered a success. It's, I mean, a lot of people, because, you know, a lot of people are going to be saying right now, because the, the current meme is basically, I don't care what Juventus fans think about <laughs> Ben Takura Kulisewski. Um, but overall, I mean, do you, do you think Paratici probably, is it, is it a wise move by Tottenham though, to, to have somebody more kind of like that? Because obviously we've seen over the past years, we've had Steve Hitchin in there that a lot of people who's actually just left the club, um, and it's kind of, it feels like there's a bit of revisionism at the moment in terms of, you know, Hitchin was the one that managed to nearly get us Bruno Fernandes and nearly get us Jack Grealish and nearly get us various different players. I think Paula Dybala the first time around. Um, but, it, you know, nearly getting them isn't getting them. You know, and I, I guess you, you, you can't blame him entirely. That might be partly down to Daniel Levy and the direction of the club from a sort of board level but still I mean having somebody like Paratici who for whatever people think about him you know is a sort of is a, is a well-known figure within the game he seems to be kind of he's concerned with how he looks right and I think what comes with that is there's obviously baggage with that but also what comes with that is somebody who is gonna sort of fight to maintain that image and if that by proxy means that the club can get a deal here and there, which my scepticism says that's how we've ended up with Bentico and Kulisevsky because he knew kind of he was flailing in the window and he could call up sort of some old mates and get a couple of players in. Um, but do you feel that like this is something that like, did Tottenham, do we essentially need somebody that's got that experience of working at a super club like Juventus now that we are kind of trying to step up to that level now since the building of the stadium and all the sort of trappings that come with that, if you get what I mean. Yeah, like, to be honest, like, he's he's definitely better than Hitchin because, like, at the very least, we, Paratici, you know that he cares in some respects. I know, like, he might have showed it in a weird way by, like, being on a touchline at the start of the season and shouting orders and all the players, which was unnecessary and strange. But at least he cares. Like, that was one problem that you've seen in that Tottenham doc about Hitchin. is like, he just really hated his job and didn't want to do it and was like actively standing there being interviewed saying, I don't really like a transfer window and that's his fucking job at the end of the day. I mean, that, that Genuinely, that wound me up. It really wound me up that bit in All or Nothing because I just thought it's just embarrassing, you know? Yeah. It's like you imagine him going in and trying to negotiate for a player. Like you want someone, like at least what Partiji has, is he has an enthusiasm for the game. Like you can't imagine Hitchin going in and talking to a player like, Dybala or Bruno Fernandes or anything and like being able to sell Tottenham as a footballing project to someone I just can't imagine it he just doesn't have the energy to do it um, so like that is definitely a plus for Partici to be honest in terms of the um, having a, someone who's like dealt with like a European super club or, or whatever um, with the finances not involved in dealing with those clubs like that is a really good thing Um I don't really buy into the kind of superstar uh, sporting director kind of thing. Um, 
because look, you've seen it with like Monchi um, when he was at Sevilla and lauded and then Roma brought him in and they thought he was going to turn the club around and then he ended up buying like Steven and Zonzi for like 30 million <laughs> and uh, Javier Pastore for like 25 and all and just like wrecked the club for a couple of years. Like I think their influence is kind of um, overrated in a way at times, like these kind of superstar sporting directors. What really matters a lot of the times is the scouting systems at clubs. And I think that's something that Tottenham will obviously need to sort out because look, the scouting that Tottenham and the players that you have went and chosen to sign over the past couple of years has been atrocious. As you've seen this January where he's let go of Tangy and Lo Celso and Brian Gill like straight away. Like these players were brought in for quite a lot of money and clearly weren't good enough or had the wrong attitude or whatever and are gone already. Like things they got like they can't keep happening in a club like Tottenham because it's not a situation where you have at Man City where they can go and get Jack Release for hundred million and he'll be absolutely shite, which he has been. He's been terrible. And he's nowhere near as good as the other players that they have play in those positions. And it just doesn't matter because they can go out and sign another couple of players for 100 million. They do the same thing over and over again. Well, it's funny, is it? Because it gets exacerbated as well from Spurs' perspective, not to get all like poor us, but to also get a bit poor us. Because, you know, the media is against Tottenham. It's against every single <laughs> club, isn't it? But <laughs> whoever, depending on who you're speaking to. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm very against every club. Just want to be unbiased in that way. <laughs> Part of the the MSM, you mate, just disrupting yeah. <laughs> disrupting joy. Um, but uh, you know, I, I I always feel that the scrutiny can will be placed on a club like Tottenham a lot more. You know, we've we've sort of seen in the past few days already. There's there's a real kind of reveling. There's a real joy, and I, I guess it's because he's. I think he's historically not really given the media much. Daniel Levy, but they really sort of revel in you know spinning this whole narrative of like. Liverpool gazumped master negotiator Daniel Levy for the Luis Diaz transfer and you know when we start when a player like Ndombele or Lo Celso doesn't work out it's seen as like this massive failure but you, you're very correct in saying that you know look, <laughs> look at some of the money that Chelsea in particular have spent the past few years um, and how that's worked out but you, you don't really hear anything about it I mean even the kind of the whole um, Lukaku stuff that kind of happened over the over the past you know couple of weeks ago or over christmas sort of time like chelsea did like really they got him to do that really uncomfortable like apology video and stuff to the fans and they still ended up kind of smelling the roses out the back of it and it, I, I don't know i just i just think there's this funny like there's a sort of it's easy it's always been easier to punch down um i think and Part of, the, part of the thing that does irritate me with Spurs is when we do kind of make these bigger transfers and fuck them up, it's not just a disappointment and knowing that we can't, on a fiscal level, just kind of brush that aside and get over it. There's the whole kind of circus that comes with that. Um, I mean, it, it, but yeah, it it doesn't take away from the fact that, like you say, we haven't... I mean, it's kind of... Because I've said it on this pod before, I think the thing that sort of irritated me about the way Spurs have spent money is not really actually what we've identified and what we've tried to buy because I I generally tend to think that like 
the players and stuff that we've we've bought at least or at least what what we've thought or intended to be getting has always been kind of like the right idea but it's just it, it more often than not points towards whatever even if if it's our scouting or something that's not quite right because too often the players are a sort of they're a miss and I, I get it like people will also say in the past few years they've uh, they've walked into a club that was kind of flailing under a sort of Poch- Maurizio Pochettino that had pretty much had his soul sucked out of him after the Champions League final uh, under Jose Mourinho who is Jose Mourinho and it, well that's not really Count Ryan Mason but and then Nuno Spirito Santo which was just it, like when you actually look at that now it seems like a farcical appointment right but still it, it... you forget it even happened like yeah, that was this season. It just oh, it feels like it just it's never happened. It was, it was bizarre, but you know, it's it's still. It just seems bizarre to me that even you know, I'm, I'm I can see now in front of me this video of Brian Hill playing, absolutely tearing it up at Valencia, which is great. You know, Spurs fans are getting all excited about that. But what do we like? What do we like? He was killing it in Spain beforehand. You know, it just it seems bizarre to me that we've even though again another player polarized opinion. We'd lose Eric Lamella, and part with 25 million pounds for a player that we're already sending out on loan back to back to Spain. Yeah. After half a season it's just you know are, are we <laughs> what's our kind of recruitment process? You know that's kind of what I what I have to ask myself, you know, people are saying that Tangin Domelay's always struggled to settle and his sort of past was littered with coaches saying that he, you know, wasn't the most dedicated trainer and all this sort of thing. It, it, I don't know. It just it it hints at not particularly uh, and not a lot of um, thought in in certain respects for Tottenham. But then I think sometimes you just get lucky and sometimes you don't, you know. But well, I don't know. With like Maybe not. with like people with Tangy, you know, I think the the main problem with Spurs scouting it's not necessarily like a talent scouting. Like obviously Tangy was talented in some respects at football, and was also like showed himself to be like relatively competent at Real Betis and things like the same way Brian Gilly looked a player like last season and all and it was like seemed like an exciting signing at the time but I, it is more of a like the thing you were saying about Tangy like there was like murmurs of him not being a good trainer beforehand and all they're not really I don't think they've ever been red flags to um, Tottenham the past like five or six years or whatever it's always been like he's a good footballer we'll make it work rather than is he the right personality? Does he fit the dressing room in that way? And that's been the problem with a lot of players where, like, Ndombele just didn't have the right attitude at all at any point. And near to Los Celso in the same way, never had the right attitude, didn't want to be there. He could, like, people like Los Celso clearly seen the club as a stepping stone to something else. And whatever that is, God knows, because he's not very talented. Um, and it's just, I think that's been the issue of Tottenham more than anything else the past couple of years. I think now, um, when you're trying to replace these players, you have to kind of try to find players who fit the dressing room and the personalities in the dressing room and what the team and club wants to be better than you have the past few years. And what you're saying about like the fees and things where when you sign a player for a lot of money, you kind of have to keep trying with them the same way you still be in Dombley. Like it's he's always kinda wanting to make it work because Spurs can't go and spend sixty million on a player and for it not to work. It has to kinda work. 
in some way and like that's why like people like Ndombele get so many chances at the club and people like Lacelso got as many games as they did over the last two years. It's like they they need the work, those signings and the problem has been with Tottenham the past couple of years and why he's have had what four or five managers the past three seasons is because they haven't worked out. Yeah, it's bizarre. So talking of new signings, mate, Bentaker and Kulisevsky. I mean, what are your? Are you first of all? Are you are you Ventus sad to see him go? Uh, not not really, to be honest. Not definitely not Bentan Kerr. Um, the problem with Bentan Kerr was that he's basically Logatelli, only not as good. Like he's the same sort of player. He he's good at coming forward with the ball, and he you want them to come forward with the ball, and he's not as good sitting deep. So you kind of have the same player twice there, but. Logatelli's the better player, so you keep Logatelli sort of situation. And then Kulazewski, like, was really excited when he signed um, a couple of years ago. He was really brilliant at Parma, and the whole team was built around him there, and he was incredible. Won Serie A Young Player of the Year and all that year, and he was exceptional, and he, he seemed like a really good fit and like a good long-term fit for the club, but had his moments, but just didn't really work out. I don't really think they're losing anything there to be honest is it a bit of a kind of with Kulisewski is is there any air of a maybe a bit of a you know how we've seen Grealish struggle this year at City would you say there could be any sort of comparison there in the kind of the the big fish in a small pond kind of thing I to be honest like I think he needs to um, be the main man the way Grealish needs to be the main man the way it happened at Villa this is this is a problem with that sign, and I think like for Tottenham is in the same situation he was at at Juventus, where he was kind of a bit part player and coming out of the team, and you know he would play up front one week and then he would play on the right hand side one week and then he would try him out left one week and all, and it was kind of he was just kind of being thrown in every once in a while and playing like cup games and things, so he could never really get a proper run the team, and it never felt like he was like fully trusted by any of the managers. Um, while they were at the club and when when he comes to Tottenham I think like the strongest part of your team is the front line like especially with Lucas playing the way he has the past five or six months like if he's going to play two up top uh, Kane and Son like you're not really going to get anyone better than that and Kulazewski's not that level of player he's not going to come in and oust him and Son it's just not going to happen and I think like for him to actually develop into the player he could be, he needs to be starting every single week and he needs to be playing football and he needs to have the confidence of manager to go out and perform. And this this was my main problem with um Kulazewski at Juventus above everything else, is he just he just he's so like unconfident. He just doesn't seem like a very confident footballer and he and in that Juventus documentary there was like parts in it when Pirlo would go over to him and be like physically shaking him being like you're actually good at football go and just go out and like be the player you are sort of thing mm. and he just never did it he's just he seems like a really shy quiet lad sort of and like I was he, he got a girlfriend a couple of years ago and I was like right he's got a girlfriend maybe this will like perk him up a bit and give him a wee bit of confidence somewhere and it just peered out so I, I would kind of worry about him at Tottenham to be honest because Unless Conte can do like a proper Conte man manager job on him, 
I just don't really see how he can come in and out of a team and really, really contribute in the way his talent would say he should. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Because I've seen people say that he can play across the front three. He can actually, you know, he just it sounds like he's very versatile, that he can play kind of in a more what should we say, conventional midfield role and potentially even as a as a striker. So I can probably see that that's maybe what's what's lured us to him. But it does seem interesting because, uh, you know, there is that part of me I'm like, where does he play? Like, who does he play in place of? Because as you say, it's going to be hard to kick Son or Lucas out of the team, obviously. Um, yeah. And I mean, Harry Kane's just not going anywhere other than to maybe Man City in the summer. But uh, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it, 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 I think that's what seemed strangest about it for me. And I, it, obviously I understand everything that people are saying that, you know, he's young, he's got a lot of potential and everything. But again, you know, like you're sort of saying, it, it, I just, I don't see how his situation is going to be radically different from what he was in at, at Juventus. Um I mean that that sort of stuff aside. I think the, the other thing that's sort of I mean, I'll, I'll confess to having only knowingly watched him um, in the sort of yeah the, the YouTube compilations as you do um, when you do. Welcome to Tottenham. <laughs> and flicks tricks skills HD, <laughs> isn't it? Um, but I'm sort of a bit worried about his gait, like the way he. Uh, there's just something about the way he kind of moves on the ball that concerns me about. I don't know. I'm I'm not so sure that I'm not trying to do the whole kind of like Syria ain't nothing compared to the Premier League stuff, but I do think the football is different. And I, I sort of worry about how forgiving or not the, uh, the sort of Premier League defenders or, you know, the, the sort of pressing style of many of the top teams in the Premier League, how he's going to cope with that as well, because he, he, he does look like a skillful player, but he he also looks like somebody that just I don't know. He, he, it looks like, like I say his gait. It's just the way he sort of moves around the ball. It it seems kind of it doesn't look that instinctive. It looks like he's sometimes like thinking about what he's going to do as opposed to just kind of getting the ball at his feet and and going with it. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe I'm I'm way no, off no, there. No, no, I, but... I get where you're coming from there. Like he's not in terms of like the primary thing. Like he's not like lightning quick for the position he plays he's he's not going to really like 
go and burn someone on the outside or anything. It's not really his game. Um, and I do, I do see what you mean about his dribbling and all. Like he has got good feet and all suitors, but he kind of he looks kind of top heavy. It looks like his center of gravity is like it is like neck. Like it, it's weird. Like he kind of plays above. Um, I can kind of see where it come from there. Um, it is, it is going to be interesting to see what he does. To be honest, like out of the two, I would guess that he would be the one that flops if I was going to pick one. I think Ben Banker is a more surefire, steadier signing. So he is. I think to be honest, like the way Kulusevski plays, um, it's it's pretty similar to the way Brian Gill plays. So it is. It's he's quite a similar player, and I think like. Brian Gill comes across the same way personality wise as well as he just doesn't seem like the sort of player he can kind of be plug and play and kind of come in like in an FA Cup game um, when Golini's and Nets or whatever and go and like just play amazing and then come out of the team for a couple of weeks and come back and play amazingly well and that kind of all goes back to what I was saying about how Spurs have kind of judged talent over the past few years where it's always been like a technical talent thing on the pitch whereas it's not really considered the personalities outside and all and I'm not sure that Kulazewski's the right sort of personality that can come in and do that sort of job the same way like when Van der Vaart came into the club he had the right personality to be that kind of player where I wouldn't play every single week but when he was fit and he could play he would always contribute I don't think the I don't think Kulazewski's that sort of player and he's going to be playing that sort of role interesting interesting I mean if we were to, so people now who are screaming, like, say something positive, please give us something at least. <laughs> I'm sorry, lads, I'm sorry. <laughs> what, I don't mean it. <laughs> what, what would you potentially say that he, if, say, you know, he hits the ground running, the things that he's he done at Palmer particularly well that you say that had gotten him the Serie A Young Player of the Year, if if that version of him turns up to Tottenham, what, what can we be expecting? What can we look forward to, perhaps, from him? Like at his best, he's like a he was like a fifteen goal a season right winger, which is the dream. Like that's exactly what you want and need. Um, and he's if he can get his confidence up and all, like he can. He's not the quickest on the outside or whatever, but if he cuts inside, like he has really, 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 really good feet and can beat a man and can cut in and do that kind of Iron Robin things on the right flank and all. He has that in his locker, so he does for definite. It's just. It's all going to be about him building up confidence and what Conte does with him and how he uses him. The talent's definitely there. Um, maybe a couple of years ago, if he's hadn't had like a son and son didn't really kick on the way he has, he could come in and you would say him and son up front would be really exciting and really fun. He's, he's not as good as son, um, but he's definitely talented. Like there's no doubt in like his ability. It's just. The only the only issue is the situation with him, and it's I think that's always going to be his issue. To be honest, I know this is like me trying to be positive about him, um, but I I can see him being at like a top six or seven team in Syria and doing really really well, like a go to like a Fiorentina or something and be the star man and be hitting twelve to fifteen goals a season. That's kind of where I see him long term. Um, if he can hit the ground running the right way, Conte gives him time to play. Maybe he takes his time over bringing Son back in and rushing him back from an injury. Then maybe he could get enough game time and, and kick on the way his talent should let him. 
Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry, Jack. He just sounds uh, like I'm such really a Tottenham signing, though. That's yeah, the thing. That's what really sort of, It just... Yeah. I mean... I did try to be positive there, but I, I just kind of went back to the negative again by accident. Ooh, it wasn't intentional. Like, no, I'm, but still, I'm not I mean, coming on here to this Tottenham fan podcast and, like, being like, you know, fuck Tottenham. You sign shit players. These are shit. These have always been shit. Chelsea have always been better than you. I'm not here to say that. It's just, I'm accidentally saying it sometimes, and I don't mean it. I'm sorry. I'll let you off. I mean, Ben Tanker is like, there's not as much to talk about in that, in so much as like, I think we all sort of know what we're getting. He's a solid, he sounds like a solid midfielder. I mean, the only thing that sort of, I find a bit bizarre about it is it's like, we already have a number of kind of, all right, <laughs> in in <laughs> Winks, Hoybier, Skip, who I think is going to actually be a very good player in a few years' time. Yeah, he's quality. He has quality. But still, like, a number of players who are of a similar profile. And it, am I correct in saying that Benton Kerr just sort of is a similar kind of player to at least Winks and Hoyt? Well, all, all three of them, really. To be honest, like, I do think he's going to be a really good signer, to be honest. Like, I know I've been really negative about Kulzewski, but I do think, and I know all I said about that he didn't really fit at Juventus and they won't be like necessarily sad to see him leave. But that, that's just because they have Locatelli and they don't really need a player like Ben Tanker. You don't really need two of those players in the team. Um, I think he can be a really good player. For Spurs, I really do. And I think he's a more nailed-on good signing than Kulazewski. Although a lot of people might like be watching Kulazewski compilations and thinking, shit, like, this boy's exciting. He can do something really, really special at the club. Benton Kerr is the boy who's going to come in and play games consistently and be like a 7 out of 10 and maybe be an 8 out of 10 some other weeks. And like if played in the right position, I think he can offer something different because I think what Tottenham are lacking um, above anything is a proper runner in midfield and a guy who can get the ball from the defence or get it from Hoiberg or whatever and press forward with the ball and run forward with the ball. Like I think um, there's a lot of... like. Basically what the Celso was supposed to have done, really. Yeah, yeah, basically that sort of player and what Ericsson always before and what uh, Musa Nimbele was a few years ago and things. It's kind of, he's missing that sort of player who can just bring the ball into the final third, essentially. And I think, like, the main thing about Ben Curdy, I think, is, like, I think there's a lot of, like, false perceptions about him being, like, this really, really technically talented player like his his main talents are his physicality and his ability to like win the ball back and run forward with it at pace I think that's where he has to play at Tottenham and it's something that I don't think any other Tottenham player can do and I think like for if he's going to play which I think he should I think he's need to move on to playing three in the middle of the park at some point and start playing two up top instead of the three up top um, if he's already do that and like Hoiberg sitting skips your kind of middle man in between and then Ben Tanker is the guy who's going to drive forward and counter attacks and all like I think that could be a really nice trio in the middle of the park and I think like he's a guy who could come in and surprisingly bag like five assists or something by the end of the season he's that sort of guy um I I think I think he's a really good player I've always liked him I think he's always been a player that was just played in the wrong position at Juventus. Under Sarri, like, two years ago, he was brilliant, and he played as that runner in midfield. And then Pirlo and Allegri, for some reason, started sitting him a lot deeper and playing him, like, just in front and kind of playing 
trying to play that Pirlo role of like spraying the ball and all kind of what Dyer's doing at the moment for Tottenham, like being that kind of boy who turns on the ball and brings it out. Um, he's not that player. He's too slow on the ball. If he plays there, like you will see a lot of moments where like he'll do like a Shaka sort of thing. We'll turn on the danger on the edge of the box and he'll concede. And like he he did that a lot at Juventus over the past couple of years. But I don't even think that's like fully his fault or what. Like I think that's been a managerial issue above anything else and how he's been put under the team um, and kind of shoehorn on the team because he's never really been thought of that highly by Pirlo and Allegri because of his issues as that playing that deep line role. Um, to be honest, like, like I know you're kind of looking for some sort of positivity here being like Kulazewski and Benton Kirk, brand new signings, like are they going to be good? I would say Kulazewski, probably not to be honest. Um, <laughs> I can't really see it. Uh, Benton Kerr, I think he will be like I. I would, I'd be pretty confident in saying like Ben Tucker is going to slot in the team and be a really nice addition. See, I mean, and that's, I mean, that is pretty. I know you're sort of saying you're worried about being negative, but Spurs' problem at the moment isn't really having presence in the final third. Yeah, in terms of like in the players available to us, what it has always been about is getting them the service that they need. Probably for the past two years now, we've seen that that's been a real issue with us. Ever since basically Ericsson left Dash, left in, in spirit anyway, um, even mm-hmm. if he had left in person. And if if we've kind of got at least that in Ben Sankur, it's, it's going to relieve a lot of pressure on the rest of the team, I feel. And that's kind of something that we have been sorely, sorely lacking. Um, I am sort of just before I, I do... Do let you escape, Dak. I'm just interested to know because you were always somebody who was a massive, massive advocate of Antonio Conte. I mean, even before when Spurs were first linked to him in the summer, before we got Nuno Espirito Santo, and I was kind of over <laughs> overthinking <laughs> everything and saying, "Oh, I don't have Conte's the right fit." And I, was, you were always the one that was staunchly just like, "Don't be an idiot. He's literally one of the best managers in the world. You'd be so lucky to have him." <laughs> um, yeah. You know, are you are you are you impressed by what he's done so far at Tottenham with the with what he's had available to him? Because I think it's one we've lost one Premier League game as far as I'm aware, which was the game to Chelsea. That doesn't really count because that's just that should be marked down already at the start of the season. You know, but I I think he's amazing. Like I I wouldn't I wouldn't even say he's like one of the best managers in the world. I do think he's actually the best manager in the world. Uh, I've thought it for a long time. I think he's just. He's a manager like above anyone else who can come into a club and just change the fortunes. Like, and it'll just be because of him. He's done it so many times. He did it at, like, what he did at Juventus that first time round was just unbelievable. Like, they were seventh the year before. At literally the, the worst season statistically they ever had. Lost like 12 or 15 games or something ridiculous. Which, like, I know, like, seventh doesn't sound that bad, but for a club like Juventus who have been top of league and, like, historically the biggest club in their country, like, that's a, big big deal and for him to come into that club and the season after go unbeaten and win the league and then within two seasons be getting like over 100 points in the league like that was all because of him like that was what he did like and with that with that Conte like at that time like I have the thing that you have about Poch with Conte where it's like every manager you get no matter how well they're doing at some point you'll be like oh, but, you know he's not Pochettino that sort of thing I kind of have that with Conte because he's kind of that same sort of mould of manager who like 
went into the club and just kind of fixed it and made it enjoyable again. He has that same sort of aura for me, so I'll, I'll always back him the hills for that. Um, and everywhere he's went, no matter what the talent has been, he's always done well. Like that Italy team that like got to the Euros quarterfinals and made it to penalties against Germany and things like that team had no right to even make it out of the group stages at that time. That was an awful team. Like their front two was like Pele and Eder and Saza off the bench. Like that was not a good football team. And he made them play above themselves. And I think I've kind of seen the same sort of signs at Tottenham so far. Um, where like, you know, you have players like you know, like Dyer and even like Winks and things who have like been stagnating for so long. And, you know, Dyer was like, like Dyer was one of the worst players in the league last season. Like, I think he was probably the most detrimental player in the league last season out of any player in any, in any club. And now you like, in that three at the back, he looks really comfortable and he's probably the player out of anyone in the team that you would kind of be like, yeah, he can be on the team and you back him not to do something stupid. Whereas last year, he'd be the last person you would have thought to do that. And that's all down to Conte and his management of that player and that talent. And I think, like, look, you might you might not see it where you might not be challenging for the league or whatever this year and all, and you might not see the same sort of turnaround as he had at Juventus and things because... Look, the teams the teams that you guys are playing are better than teams play. Juventus it's just a different proposition, though, isn't it? It's, it's 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 a different situation. Like Juventus weren't up against teams like City and all who could go and fork out five hundred million on players in a summer if they don't win the league, sort of thing. It's not, he's not been in that situation before, but I think what you can expect from him always is that he'll always get the absolute maximum out of all the players, and I think like in terms of like his reputation as well and having a player having a manager of that stature come to a club it's even just that is exactly what Tottenham needed because for years it's all like this is just outside looking in for me like I've always felt like fans have kind of backed those players so much and given them such a benefit of the doubt because you know it's been Mourinho and then it's been missing and then it's been Santo like with like people like Deli and Tangy and Lo Celso probably the main culprits of it whereas when Conte came in it's kind of like you know just he knows better than us like he knows what he's doing he'll know like if a player is not good enough and not performing and not showing the levels of effort needed to play for Tottenham week in week out they're gone and that's exactly what you've seen this January like he's picked he's weeded out those players it's him that's picked those players to leave the club and I think what you'll see in the next two months or so is the team get progressively better as he invests the players he wants to play more regularly and like gives people that he clearly really really likes like skip a really more a really big big role in what he's doing going forward. Doesn't it just seem like with, with everything you've just said there in mind, it it just seems ever the more bizarre to me that Manchester United didn't just get him. That's oh, mental. Know? It is mental. He's exactly what they needed because you know like in a lot of ways like. United are a mess, like in a lot of like top level United are a mess, but like there's clearly like talent at that club. Like they've spent a lot of money on a lot of good players. It's just they've never had anyone who's been able to fit all the pieces together. And Conte's like the exact manager you get. They fit pieces together, they make it work. And that's exactly what he's gonna do at Tottenham. I think I think he's an incredible signer and I think I think he'll be there until he achieves something. I think he's will win a trophy with him. I'd be surprised if he's done because 
if he's to leave Tottenham without doing something and achieving something, it'll be the first time since Jesus, he was in like Serie B or whatever that he's left the club without achieving something. And that's like 15 years of being a manager. Well, I mean, but we, <laughs> we've we already broken Mourinho's stretch. So you know, dev- never, <laughs> he was never already, put he it was past Tottenham broken. Hotspur, mate. Never put it past he Tottenham He broke out himself. He, he was already broken. But it... <sighs> I don't know. I just, I just don't get it with United. I've no, I just seeing a team that I get it. Nothing lasts forever, but a team that still is is an institution, probably, arguably the biggest, or at least top five biggest football teams that have ever existed. To go from routinely winning the league to ever since Ferguson go, not even look like they're going to win it. You know, the, I think the best they finished second, isn't it? Since then, under Mourinho and. <laughs> they weren't anywhere. That was uh, City Centurion season. You know, uh, they weren't, they weren't, they weren't any, good that year. Like. Anywhere near it. And yeah. it's it's all down to it. Like it's not even United the club. I think get a lot of credit as like an institution. Um, and like United won all these like titles or whatever in the, all the nineties and all. Like that was all down to Ferguson. Like it was him. Like it was nothing else. Like the whole club was predicated on him. And once he left the whole structure of the club collapsed because he was a guy doing the transfers. He was doing everything. And when he went, he's impossible to replace. Like you're never going to be able to replace a guy that got for a long, long time. I think that I think Liverpool are going to have a hard time when Klopp goes as well in a sort of similar yeah. way. You know, it's going they to be, will, that's yeah. going to be fun. <laughs> yeah. That'll be great. Be great. Looking forward to that. Already. So uh, long and short, Antonio Conte is going to win the Premier League for Tottenham Hotspur next year. That's, that's, um, that's what you're saying. Let's go, let's go, Carabao Cup. Because I think the last time I was on here, I said you were going to win the league. So I'm going to uh, hedge my bets this time and go Carabao Cup. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think I think the last time I was on was like the week before. It used to be three each. We thought we West Ham, and like Mourinho like mentally collapsed, and that was the whole team broken. Like it was mad, wasn't it? We like we it looked was. so we actually looked so good, and you're suddenly like, hang on, has Mourinho still got it? I think he does. I think he's still got it. Oh no, West Ham have just scored three goals in like four minutes and he's just completely reverted back to being Mourinho again. Like, uh, yeah. Collapsed. As, as, yeah. I, as I said on Twitter earlier, his formation of 10-0-0. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> like, uh, dear. Well, thanks very much for uh, for coming on today, Jack, to basically piss on our new signings. Tell us that our director... Only one of them. Only one of them. True, just, true. Yeah, but also telling us that our director of football is a fraud as well. Yeah, well, he is. I don't like him. He's but weird. He's just, I don't know. He just has a weird presence. He, he doesn't, seems like... Like you were saying, though, those videos on the touchline, they were weird. I, you know, Quite a few weird, Spurs yeah. fans were like, oh, that's good, I like that. I was thinking, what, really? It's really weird. It's really it's like, bizarre. Part of the board, like, what are you doing? Like, just get up under the exactly. stands and sit quietly, shouting at it the does players. Get a, like... You can't imagine, but the players would be like, "Fuck off, who are you?" Some yeah, little fucking neek in a suit. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it was like it was even worse because Nuno was just standing there, like behind him, arms crossed, just being like, "He's kind of just doing my job for me," and doing it really badly because they were awful. But uh, that's my thing with him. And to be honest, like this is my thing with like a lot of that group um, that have been like managing Juventus like upstairs for the past couple of years it's like they're like way too involved in the footballing aspects and I think Partici was in that kind of wee group him and Agnelli the owner he's a wrong one <laughs> and I love him he, he's, he's, bar, he's the Super Nantes. League nonce isn't he he's the one that wants uh, uh... He's, he's one of those you know 
likes football but doesn't know anything about it but has enough money to think he knows about it sort of thing so he's, um, he's the guy in the office that loves football when the World Cup's on kind of thing. Aye, aye. Yeah. So how is supports, it How is it that England. Harry Kane plays for Tottenham and for England? Because I thought they could only play for one team. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, Being confused that Kane's yeah, not the Tottenham yeah. captain. Why don't England just sign Messi? You know? <laughs> <laughs> Why don't they just buy him? Yeah, uh, oh. mate, I haven't really got the time to, to, uh, to explain this one to you, but... You know, it's not a story. Um, it's not a story. I do right. Well, so Jack, where can I mean? I'm gonna I'm gonna put your Twitter handle because that's the most important thing in life, isn't it? But I'm gonna put your Twitter handle obviously on the post as I post this out. But if people haven't seen that, where can they follow you? <laughs> where can they read <laughs> your work? Um, Nightyman.com. Uh, that's the only place really. Um. I, I'm not going to give out my Instagram or anything because I don't want people creeping on me. Um, so, I just Twitter, Kelsio Loves Jack and NightyMan.com. Check it out if you want. And you can also, whilst you're there, you can watch Jack's uh, Edinburgh Fringe show, actually. You've got you've got a link to that, haven't you, on your, uh, on your Twitter? Aye, you? uh, it's, it's somewhere. It's somewhere. The Sean and Jerry Breakfast show. And you, you might hear, because this is the most important thing about Jack's play, you might hear a familiar voice. Um, when you are watching the, I, I think you know. I I heard somebody say somewhere that the the voiceover of the person calling in about Abba kind of made that uh, made that that play. Um, I I did hear that somewhere as well, yeah. but I'm not sure if it was on like like a T Trunk Twitter account or not. I'm not sure. I think it was, sure it was. It was it was on Fortune. <laughs> 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 But yeah, no, uh, Jack, Jack has written a play, the, the uh, Sean and Jerry Breakfast Show. So check it out as well. You can watch it on this, on this thing. There you go, Jack. There's a, there's a little plug for you. Oh, thanks, man. I appreciate yeah. that. A little plug. A little plug for your little, little play. Plug, <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. <laughs> 